running away from people now. 20, 10, and gone. Moniel, 67-yard touchdown run. I've got reporters' <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. Fati was always soft. Can't uh, win on the road, they say. <laughs> DeVito pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game. DeVito in relief, wins it for the Orange. This is Orange Nation, brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Friday edition of Orange Nation as we lead you into the weekend. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. Just one guest lined up for you today. Trevor Haas from Boston.com will join us coming up in about 15, 20 minutes from now. He covers BC football for Boston.com. Uh, as we preview Syracuse and Boston College, and that's how we start the show today, Seth, uh, with a game that, again, could signal the end of the season for the Orange should they lose, should Syracuse find a way to win, then they keep things interesting going into the bye week and beyond three games left. They'd have to win two of them to get to bowl eligibility. And, and the more that I, I look at this matchup, the more I, I think it simply comes down to A.J. Dillon. I just I I don't see how Boston College can win this game if AJ Dillon doesn't go off. And and we've seen this team play now three times without Anthony Brown, the starting quarterback who was hurt against Louisville. Um they lost that Louisville game forty one thirty nine. They bounced back coming out of a bye week. They beat NC State 45-24 because Dylan went off, went for over 200 yards, had three rushing touchdowns. He was a one-man wrecking crew, and then they got blown out uh, by Clemson. You look at the numbers that their backup quarterback, Dennis Grossell, has put up since Anthony Brown went out, and, and they're not pretty. He's This is a combined total, by the way, Seth. 18 for 53 passing for 267 yards in those three games. Two and a half games, essentially. It is not good. If Dylan doesn't go off, I I don't know as if BC's going to be able to move the ball. No, and and that's been been what they do all season, hasn't it? I mean, I'm I'm looking at at A.J. Dylan's game log here. uh, And a five-week stretch... Five-week stretch from week three to the NC State game on the 19th. So it ended last week. Um, A.J. Dillon went for over 100 yards every game. The lowest number was 118. Uh, And, oh, by the way, that included 223 yards on the ground against NC State. That was, excuse me, that was the NC State team that had allowed 400 yards rushing on the season total going into that game and then allowed 400 yards rushing in that game. So that was a wild game, and they were running all over them. Um, if NC, if if Boston College is going to win games, and right now they've got four wins, they've got to just ride A.J. Dillon for as long as they possibly can. He's already over the 1,000-yard mark. He's already got 10 touchdowns on the season. He's having another phenomenal year. Um I'd imagine that you see a heavy dose of A.J. Dillon on Saturday. I, I, there's no other way to go to, to to kind of beat around it. No, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and last week, A.J. Dillon became Boston College's all-time leading rusher. Remember, he's just a junior. He did it in 31 career games. He broke the old mark set by Andre Williams, who did it in 44 games. This kid is is legit. He's gone over 1,000 yards, obviously, all three seasons in order to get there. Um 
But Andre Williams had the the old mark at 3,739 rushing yards for his career. He did it in 44 games. A.J. Dillon broke that in 13 less games. And remember that that Andre Williams had that 2,000-yard season. That's right. You know, he, he had just one of those monster years that, that, you know, is kind of the stuff of legends. You know, A.J. Dillon's just been consistently incredible. He's fourth in the nation right now in rushing yards. Uh, he's over 1,000, as we said, on the season, averaging 130 per game. So is this good news or bad news for Syracuse? I think it's it's good news in that you basically know BC is one-dimensional. It's bad news in that we've seen the Syracuse defense struggle against quality tailbacks. We saw it against Maryland and Western Michigan, and and those guys aren't as good as A.J. Dillon. You know, we saw it last week with Cam Akers. He did seemingly whatever he wanted to do on the ground last week, had a career-high four rushing touchdowns. He worked out of that Wildcat formation. And at times it was basically just snap the ball to Cam, and then he would... He would survey and just kind of figure dance out whatever around. he can do. Exactly. He would just he would just wait for a, an, an opening and then he would hit it. And it was almost at times last week as though Cam Akers was toying with the Syracuse defense. So I think it's good news in one respect in that if Syracuse can get ahead, and we'll get to BC's defense in a moment, but if Syracuse can get ahead, BC's in a lot of trouble because they can't move the ball through the air. They gotta rely on AJ Dillon. It's bad news in that they've struggled with good tailbacks and and AJ Dillon's not a good tailback. He's a great, He's a great one. tailback. Yeah, uh, they've struggled, and this isn't a new thing. Like they've struggled against the run game every year since, uh, at least since Dino's been here, and and I think they did before that as well. Um, they've struggled with, good, with with really good running backs for as long as I can remember watching Syracuse football. Now you 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 look at that and you say everybody struggles with really good running backs. I get it. Syracuse tends to, in my opinion, tends to get hit harder. They got carved than, up last week, right? They get hit harder and carved up, uh, you know, carved deeper, so to speak, than other schools and and other teams do. Um, it's been a weak point of this defense, certainly the last couple of years. Um, you know, you, you look at what Travis Etienne has done to them over the last few years. You look at uh, the pick game last year with Quadri Olison, uh, or you know Cam sure. Akers, Cam Akers before Dalvin Cook. Uh, it, it just it happens constantly um, where teams are able to run all over this defense. AJ Dillon. I mean, I'm sure if you look through AJ Dillon's career, he's had some nice games uh, against uh, against. Syracuse teams. I mean, there's probably no doubt about it where he's come in and performed well over the last two years against Syracuse uh, defenses. That's the key to this game. The key key to this game is finding a way to slow down in some way, shape, or form A.J. Dillon. And if you can't do that, you're in trouble because, uh, you know, I don't know about you, Steve. I I don't have faith that this offense can go out there and score a bunch of points to keep up if A.J. Dillon's running for 200 yards and three touchdowns again. So, I, I... Normally, I would agree with you on the offense. I, I have a feeling that the offense is going to score some points. I, I really do, because the BC defense is that bad. Um, again, you look at the numbers. They're giving up 487 yards per game. Um, they've produced a grand total of eight sacks. I know we touched on that earlier in the week. Uh, they've got eight sacks in eight games, r- ranked right near the bottom Not uh, good. in the country in that category. They're ranked right near the bottom in the country in terms of third down 
conversions, uh, allowing their opponents uh, to convert third downs about 46% of the time. Um, so the BC defense can't get off the field. They've given up a lot of points. They've given up 32 points per game. They've given up almost 500 total yards per game, which, again, is ranked right near the bottom in the country. Um, so I, I understand your your concern about the Syracuse offense. I share in that concern. But I think if there is a week that this offense is going to break out against a Power 5 opponent, I think this is it. And and you look at what they've done in the five games against Power 5 opponents, it hasn't been pretty. Uh, averaging 14.5 points per game, they've obviously lost all five of those games. But, you know, the common thread through all of them, even, you know, NC State and Pittsburgh, while they're mediocre ACC teams, both those teams have pretty good defenses. Clemson is Clemson. Um, I'm not sure if Maryland has a good defense or not. It, everything went I don't wrong. Think so. Everything went wrong that day. Um, Florida State's got a lot of talent, so I, I think of of the defenses they've played. This is by far the weakest. And you're at home. It is now start number nine for Tommy DeVito. Start number nine for a lot of these offensive linemen, um, not named Matthew Bergeron. The, it's the, time the to, excuses it's time kind to of show. go out the window. Yeah, I mean, the it's excuses kind of, kind of go out the window with this one. I mean, I, I think it's been time to show something. But to your point, Steve, this is the worst of the defenses that you've played recently. Certainly in in the bulk of your ACC schedule, right? Since you hit that bye yeah. week after Holy Cross, this is certainly the easiest uh, and the worst of the four defenses that you've played. You've got to do something. You've got to show something offensively. And if not... If not, then you look at the rest of the, se- the the rest of the games this year and say, "Well, there's no way they're going to score against those teams either." And it's just not it's it's just a, a wash of a year. Yeah, well, I, I'm with you, and I said that on Monday that you know I think we'll know by you know mid afternoon on Saturday whether or not this team is is going to be a three and nine team and and whether or not they're going to take a, a big step back uh, as a program because if not BC, then who? Like if you can't get past BC at home. Uh, a team that's that's struggling, a team that doesn't have its starting quarterback, uh, a team that is not good defensively, a team that can't move the ball through the air right now, um, then to your point, Seth, you're, you're not winning another game. And if you do, it's going to feel like a, a big upset. Um, this is this is a, a show-me game. You know, we talk about must-wins. I mean, th- this is pretty darn close to a must-win yes. because you know the math is getting t- down to the point where you, you really don't have margin for error. Obviously, you can lose one more game. Um, and and still get to a bowl, but if you lose this one, you're not getting to a bowl. So it is a must win in that sense. Um, but it, it's a show me game. Like if if you are not a three and nine team, and, and if last if last year was truly not a fluke, prove that. It's then not a show fluke. me. Yeah, go yeah. out and go out and prove it tomorrow. And that, that's kind of what I'm looking for out of this team because there is no reason that Syracuse should not win this game tomorrow. Right. I mean, no. If if Syracuse can go out there and play a representative game, then maybe you think they've got a chance to go to a bowl game. I still don't. I said that earlier in the week. I don't. I think that this team is destined not to go to a bowl game this year. However, if you win tomorrow, at least that door is still cracked open. If you lose tomorrow, there's no way. I mean, there's just no way. You leave yourself with no margin for error. You have to go beat three teams in three weeks after your bye week, and two of them are on the road. Two of them are against teams that are certainly going to be bowl eligible. And then Duke, which I guess at this point is kind of sort of up in the air still. Uh, they're in the Coastal, so everything's up in the air with with every team in the Coastal. But, I mean, Louisville and, and Wake Forest are going to bowl games this year. Wake Forest is currently in the top 25. So... 
if you can't win this game, you've got a really tall task ahead of you to get to a bowl game. It's and and even if you do win this one, you have a tall task ahead of you to get to a bowl game. No doubt. And and, and I'll I'll put it this way: if Syracuse wins tomorrow. I don't think I would be shocked if they got to six and six. I would be surprised. I'm not predicting it, but I don't think I would be shocked if they got to six and six. I will say this though: if they lose, I would be shocked if they won another game. I'd still, uh, yeah i I don't think they're going to win another game if they don't win tomorrow. Um, I also said earlier in the week I think that we'll know if they're a four and eight team or a three and nine team after this week. I, I I really think that's what it comes down to. I have no faith that this team can travel and play well. I have no faith that this offense can travel and play well. And then that last game in the dome is against a team that's right now in the top twenty-five. So um, it's it's great to sit here and say and and you know we both just did it that well if you win this game you're still keeping potential hopes alive for a bowl game and and you are I mean you're you're not wrong you are doing that because you would then be back at you know four wins and and you would be four and five and you would have an opportunity uh, with Duke coming up to get to five and five and then you just have to split your last two okay there's a path there um, I just don't think it would happen I don't I I think that this is the last best chance for a win that this team has. Yeah, and again, I'm not predicting it. I, I, I guess more so what I'm saying is I would be I would be stunned if they lose this game tomorrow and somehow won another game. Like if they lose tomorrow, I think they're destined to go three and nine. If they win, it's possible. You go into the bye week, you just laid out the path right there. You go into the bye week, you got an extra week to prepare for Duke. Uh, while the Blue Devils are going to be coming off a game against Notre Dame, you have a chance to, to get somewhat healthy and to prepare for that one and a chance to get to 5-5. Five and five. And then two really tough games to close out the year. Louisville is a, a much tougher than we expected when the season started. Wake, for that matter, as well. Uh, at least you have Wake at home. Uh, but Louisville's putting up a lot of points. And, and to your point, Seth, um, you, know, you said you have no reason to believe this team can travel well. We We've seen this team struggle on the road, um, and Tommy DeVito and the offense struggle on the road. So can they get their act together, and can they score some points? Um, that remains to be seen. I mean, they struggled against Liberty on the road from an offensive perspective. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not feeling great about it after that loss to Pittsburgh. I mean, at least you had the path of win your home games and you're going to a bowl game. Now you now, don't have Now that. you don't have that. Now you're going to have to go on the road and, and get at least one, uh, maybe two in order to get to to the postseason. We just haven't seen them uh, travel well to this point. We do need to take our first time out. When we return, Trevor Haas from Boston.com will be on to further preview Syracuse and Boston College. Keep it here. We're just getting started on Orange Nation. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Next question. Next question. Next question. Next question. Next question. This is Next Question on Orange Nation. And for that, we bring in our producer, Tommy Hogan. It is Friday, Tommy. There's a game tomorrow, so uh, that means over-unders. Yeah, you connected the dots well there. That's exactly what it means. So we're going to start with A.J. Dillon, something that you guys open up the show with, which is probably going to be the key factor in tomorrow's game. And I wanted to look at his carries. He's averaging, averaging about just under 25 carries a game on the season, not just in the last couple of games, but on the season. So I have the line at over under 27 and a half carries for AJ Dillon tomorrow. Backup quarterback as well. My gut says, and I know that's a lot of carries. My gut says he's going over that. Um, he, I was thinking about making the line 30, honestly, because I think I'm right there with you. I think it's gonna be a ton. He ran last time in the dome as a as a freshman. He ran for 193 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, we know that that he is uh, the straw that stirs their drink, so to speak, and uh, they're going to feed like him and feed him some more. So uh, I know that's a lot, but I'm going over. I agree. 
I'm going over. I think that they're just going to give him the ball every time and hope for the best. I think that he's going to run for a lot of yards. I think he's going to run a lot of times. Yeah, I give over. Steve, you use a straw when you get a drink at the bar? Um, that, you got me thinking now. I'll be honest with you. I, even when I like have a soda, I don't like to drink out of a straw. Right there with you. I'm not a straw guy. Depends Pull what, the straw out and throw it up on the bar. Yeah. Depends what it is. I'm out. Really? Depends what I'm drinking. Yep. So the, only, drinks, the only thing I'll drink through a straw is a milkshake. Yeah. That's well, about of it. course. You have to. Yeah. That's about it. Smoothie. Though. Obviously. Right there. Well, yeah, what you kind of have What if to. the milkshake is really thick? Then you can't. And and you're like trying to get. Then it's a bad milkshake. This. Then it should be no, going in the garbage. No, 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 no. If it's super thick. If you can get away with a spoon. Thi- I well, suppose. right. You can't really use that, a straw if the milkshake is is a little thick. Or you know? what if you're having like a cookie dough or a, or a cookies and cream milkshake and there's stuff in it. Or uh, whatever, and then you save it all at the bottom. Clog up the straw. Yeah, it clogs up the straw. Say, you save it all at the bottom. So I can and then see in certain scenarios where you're not using a straw to drink your milkshake. Once again, you guys are overthinking this question. Yeah, how did, we, how did we get off on Depends. this? Depends. He's throwing out cooked up, cookie dough milkshakes. Yeah. You said this, the uh, oh, right, yes. the straw that stirs the drink and it had me thinking. Yeah, We're I, around I, Friday. I don't like straws. Friday, excuse me. I'm a yeah. fan of straws. What's wrong with no, that? No, I'm not on straws. Can't do I it. like straws, and, and you probably noticed this. At Dave & Buster's, we had you know glasses of water, and I did not have a straw at first. But the way that we have our headsets, it would be very difficult to drink a glass of water without, without a, straw. a straw. So I had to go and get a, you know, I, I had to, you know, go grab a straw off the bar. So in that case, I, I not only did I want one, but I felt like I needed one. Otherwise, I wasn't going to be drinking my Just drink my water. the water during the commercial break like we do here in the studio. Yeah, but what happens when my mouth gets dry like right now and I want to drink some water? No offense. You don't but have it- a straw right now and you're about to take a swig? No offense, but it's a beta move to drink out of a straw. It's not um, the the bottle that I have now is not a big cap like the other one. Okay, like the the cup was open, so I could have spilled it all over the the expensive equipment. This one just has a little spout on the top. So safety first with the straw. Exactly. Well, you did. This is on you, Steve. All right, go to our next one, please. <laughs> next question, as they say. You guys also mentioned next start question. The show. I was listening today. It's one of the worst. It's the worst defense Syracuse has seen since playing Holy Cross. Okay. The sacks numbers have been the big talk of Syracuse offense all year. I'm going to set the line at three and a half this week. You guys got to be convinced it's going to be a little bit lower. Over under three and a half sacks given up by the Orange this week. See, that's a good. That's a good line, Tommy. That's a really good. That line. is a good line. That's why. That's why we have you do this. Pay me the big bucks. Um. Again, in an upset, I'm going. I'm going under. Wow. Uh, oh, you see, you're taking my answers, aren't you? No, Cause, I cause was gonna know, go under. You you knew I nailed it last week. Two so you, freshman no. tackles. I was gonna go Boston under. College defense. Boston College gonna, has gonna, eight gonna, in eight games. Ooh, I was one per it. game. I was Florida State didn't it. have a sack the last two, and we saw I what seven. I was, I was gonna phrase it this way: Syracuse better hope that it's under. Right. I mean, you you've got to hope that it's under. They they're getting one sack a game. That's terrible. Um, you've got to hope that they don't come out with four. One second game, and now they're facing the worst O line in the country. And, and when is, is the triple? When is, is quadruple? The, when is this Syracuse offense at its best? It's when it's it, it, it's able to get the quick game going and move the ball down the field, quick passes, get it out. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of that. And, and again, I don't think this Boston College defense is is good enough to necessarily put a stop to that. I mean, we saw you know Florida State was jumping routes. I mean, Florida State was. It's almost like they knew the playbook. Um, I'm not sure BC is going to be capable defensively 
to disrupt the Syracuse offense the way we've seen NC State and Pittsburgh and Florida State. And again, say what you will about NC State and Pittsburgh, mediocre teams, good defenses though. Florida State, again, talent on that side of the ball. I don't know if they're a good defense, but they have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Certainly Clemson the same thing. Um, So I I think that that Syracuse is going to have success moving the ball. Tommy DeVito will be able to get it out of his hands quickly. Um, Yeah, I think it's under three and a half. So you think we'll see an offense closer to what we saw against Holy Cross in Western Michigan than what we've seen the last couple of games against ACC. I, I said it to Seth uh, a couple days ago. I said I think that SU breaks out a little bit offensively in this game. I, I think they, I, you know, I think what's they that get number to for you? Points. Break out, break out a little bit. points. Okay. I think if they get in the thirties, I would okay. consider that a win for this offense. Yes, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, last one here. The line according to ESPN is set at over under fifty nine and a half points. <laughs> no, that's way too much. Give me the under. I'm beating Steve to this one. Steve just said 59, he, he sees them 59 going over. and a half points. 30, he sees them going over 30. So that would mean. Okay. Right. That means that, so, so say the score is 31 27. That's still not over. Yeah. No, I know. That's right there. Though. Yeah. Um, 31 28 doesn't beat that over. That's a lot. I'm people forget, no. though, 31 29 does. <laughs> that's good, Tommy. Thank you. When's the last time you saw somebody get to 29 in no. a football game? Well, BC played a 41-39 game against Louisville. You can so. score 30 and you can score 29. That's right, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Field goal and, that. and a touchdown. <laughs> exactly. See, you're on fire today. Killing it. Um, oh, I guess I, the safe play here is under. I'll say under, but not by much. I don't feel great about that. Again, good job. Oh, well, you didn't set that line. Vegas, I did not. Vegas no, did a good job I can't take credit that for that one, but life's too short to bet the under, Steve. Come on. You can't. It's the here's the thing. Pick. When you're betting the under, you're not rooting for chaos, and that's what's thing. Like, if you think it's the under, yeah, but you, you know shouldn't what? put money on chaos, it. Chaos no also fun. means a four-and-a-half-hour afternoon in the Dome, so let's, uh, let's, let's, do, yeah, let's, do, let's do the balancing act here. Okay. How, how much is the under hit recently when it comes to Syracuse? Every time the the le- I mean certainly it's got to be on one of your 100 pieces of paper you I, got. In front I know of you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find their schedule here. I mean what it was 16 10 was Give the me, final against yeah, NC that, State that was under the pit game went under so even Holy Cross went under the Holy Cross game went under um, Western Michigan was over had to have been as you scored what 52 points that game. Western Michigan was fifty-two. Um, something? Hold on, I'm yeah, you're right. Up. Western Michigan would have would have had to be over. They scored eighty-five combined points. Yeah, that went under. That went over. The pit game they scored forty-seven combined points. The over/under was fifty-three. Going That's back under. to going back to Holy Cross, they, the, they've all been under. I want to say the Florida State game went under. Liberty, the Liberty, the Liberty under. game was under. Liberty game was under. The Maryland game was Clemson over. The Clemson, was I think, under. game was under. Yep. So so twice they they've gone they've gone over twice. Maryland and Western Michigan. Yep. Um, so again, that's why it's the safe play. They've played eight games, so six times it's gone under. So I, I'll say under. You know, what? I, I think I would go over actually in this because the way I think of it, and this might sound bad, but when you see a pitching duel in baseball, you always think it's going to be a low scoring game, and for some reason, it always turns out to be. Not always. It, not a lot no, of the time, no. though, it ends up going over. I see two <laughs> bad defenses, or two bad teams. Let's be honest. Two bad teams. You think it's going to be a low-scoring game, but because of that, two bad teams going against each other, it'll be a high-scoring game. By your logic, Syracuse NC NC State should have been like 45-42. We erased that. That was two weeks ago. I don't look at the SU defense as being a bad defense. No, you're right. I bad de- it's not. Bad, bad teams, though. Bad teams. Yeah, but you need to— You're a, right. Yeah, no, I, I disagree with you. Okay, that's fine. 
We'll see. I think it's going to be close to that number. I think SU is going to get to 30, and BC's not going to quite get there. Okay. So that's my official prediction. So I'm not going to give a score. I'm going to say Syracuse gets to 30, BC doesn't. You, you'll tease that? the score for the a, end of the show. There you go. We'll Tune give in. Our, we'll give our predictions at the end of the show. We'll, we'll wrap up. Uh, well, we did wrap up hour number one. We'll kick off hour number two right after this on ESPN Radio. Running away from people now. 20, 10, and gone. Moniel, 67-yard touchdown run. I've got reporters' <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. Fati was always soft. Can't win on the road, they say. <laughs> DeVito pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game. DeVito in relief, wins it for the Orange. This is Orange Nation, brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. 315-437-7644 is the number. Phone lines open the rest of the way. We spent uh, all of our number one talking SU football. I want to kick off our number two uh, talking SU basketball. Had the chance to speak with Jerry McNamara this morning, Alan Griffin over at the Mellow Center uh, as we're getting ready for our season preview show on News Channel 9, the, the television version of Orange Nation coming your way uh, on Monday from 7 to 7.30 since football's on a bye week. We're going to do a basketball show on Monday and kind of preview the season ahead. So I, I felt like this was a good time, Seth, um, to, to talk SU basketball and, and to talk expectations. We've now seen this team play six times in an exhibition game setting, and, and obviously the the first one that counts for real is on Wednesday at home against Virginia. Um, but as we get ready for that season opener, based on what you've seen through six games, what's your biggest question mark facing the Orange heading into the new season? It's probably two things. Uh, point guard and the defense. I'm, I'm still curious to see what this defense is and, and what it ultimately comes down to. Uh, Damon had a really good offensive night uh, against Syracuse, and that's kind of concerning. They scored 71 points. Uh, the, the defense wasn't great the first couple of minutes of the game uh, against Carlton the other night. They locked in, and I think for the last 35 minutes of gameplay, they were pretty good defensively. Uh, but before that, they, they weren't that good. They, they, they were struggling a little bit. Uh, so I'm curious to see how that irons itself out. And I'm I'm interested in the point guard spot. Who ultimately ends up playing there? Is it going to be Jalen Carey playing the bulk of those minutes? Is it going to be Bryson Goodine? Is it going to be Joe Girard? Um, I, I think that that is far from over. I, I think that that position battle is is kind of up in the air, and I feel like we're going to be talking about that for the majority of the year. I'll tell you what. Um, I've been impressed with both freshmen, uh, Bryson Goodine and, and Joe Girard. Um, we knew Girard could score. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised with his ability to handle the basketball um and i i think it it's possible he could be an option uh at that spot as well I'm not saying he's going to start at the point um but if you're looking for ways to get him on the floor instead of taking buddy out of the lineup if you had that luxury of putting him in there uh to bring it up or uh, again we we saw elijah hughes handle the ball quite a bit against Carlton and, and even to some degree against Damon as well, um, although he was in a little bit of foul trouble that night. I think that that could be an option as well. You, you don't necessarily have to have Jalen or Bryson out there, for that matter, running the show. 
um, if Joe Girard can handle the ball or Elijah can handle the ball, that's that's one way to get your two best shooters on the floor at the same time, or have all three shooters on. The, I mean, you know, I, I look at Buddy and Joe Girard as being their two best shooters. Statistically, Elijah was the best shooter on the team right. last year, and and he's been he's been really good uh, throughout the preseason. So if you can put a lineup on the floor where you have those three guys, and again, I think some of it depends on the opponent, um, but if you can have those three guys on the floor at one time, um, you know, man, you've got some some offensive firepower. Um, I'm interested to see how the point guard position shakes itself out as well. We saw Jalen, you know, turn it over five times against Damon. That that's too many. Uh, but I thought he bounced back and played a lot better against Carlton. I thought the team as a whole played a lot better against Carlton. Um, I'm curious to see what the the crunch time lineup looks like, Seth, because you know we know who's going to start, or at least who's going to start at the beginning of the season. Um, is Mark part of the the crunch time lineup? I think so. Um, I think he is as well. I think that there are four guys right now that I I feel comfortable thinking that they will be part of the crunch time lineup. Thinking, I, I mean, I, you don't know for sure, and you never know how these things change. I would imagine that Buddy Bayheim. Elijah Hughes, Quincy Garrier, and Marek Dolajai are part of the crunch time lineup. I don't know who the fifth guy is, but I imagine those four are part of the crunch time lineup. Maybe the fifth guy depends game to game. Maybe one day it's uh, Joe Girard having a great game. Maybe it's Bryson Goodine having a great game. Maybe it's Jalen Carey having a great game. Maybe it's uh, Barama Sidibe having a great game, and and they go in a different direction. I, I, I think that those four, though, are probably the core of the best lineup you've got. So Barama instead of Dolajai? Is that what you're saying? If you, I don't know if you're going to have no, both Barama no, and Dolajai. No, all of them. Really? Yeah, why not? Well, because then you don't have a point guard on the floor. Yeah, but we've we've seen Elijah bring the ball up the floor. Yeah, but in crunch time, like if there's two minutes left, I mean, it's a tie game. If that's the best four guys, if that's the best five guys you have, that's interesting. I, I, I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't expect that. I mean, I it's possible. Ex- I, look, I wouldn't expect it, but like if it's the best five guys you have. You know, that is one question I have about Joe Girard. And I know I just mentioned it about you know he he handles the ball better than than I think um, he gets credit for, um, and maybe a little better than advertised in, in that area. Can he do enough to impact the game other than make threes? Like, if d- does he simply have to come in and make shots in order to stay on the floor, or can he find other ways to impact the game? And we saw Buddy last year, I think, Seth, uh, to some degree, you know, grow up in that capacity where, you know, early on it was like, well, if, you know, he's, he's just a shooter, you know, and if he's making shots, great. And if he's not, he doesn't really bring much to the table. But we saw Buddy grow up real quick last year. Um, he started getting a lot more time, and yeah, he shot the ball better, but defensively he was really good. Um, he's added the the ability to put the ball on the floor this year, and and to you know he's not necessarily going to blow by guys, but a couple but dribbles that he can pull up, and he's got yeah. you know he's six six. I mean he can you know six 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 five. He can pull up and shoot over people. Um, so I, I'm curious if we if we'll see that out of Joe Girard, where he's not strictly a shooter. Can he do enough other things to? earn minutes and to stay on the floor or does he strictly have to come in and make shots yeah and and in a way you you kind of think he has to do other things to earn minutes and and you mentioned it with buddy you know buddy was good on the defensive end last year for the most part buddy as the year went along started doing some things offensively that was more than just shooting and and kind of showed off a little bit more of his game driving into the middle of the lane you know being able to put the ball on the floor a little bit I feel like you've got to do a little bit more than just shoot. Now, if you're the the guy on the floor, 
Maybe all you have to do is shoot and play like some some good defense, like some solid defense. Uh, you know, last year I think Buddy was more than the fifth guy on the floor. You know, you were asking a lot more of him than just, hey, be the fifth guy out there, space us, and, and hit some shots. You know, you were asking for a lot more than that out of Buddy. Um, he was, what, maybe the third option? On some uh, of those? Uh, I don't know about like, that. I mean, you had I mean, Tyus, Ty- you had Elijah, oh, you had yeah, O'Shea. Ty- sorry, Ty- yeah. Tyus, Elijah, O'Shea than him. I mean, like, yeah, he might have been like, the fourth option. I, my point being, I, I think you were asking a lot more out of Buddy last year than you're probably asking out of Joe Girard this year. Oh, there's no doubt the about that. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, And, y- y- you know, it's it's going to be interesting to watch and see how that adjustment goes. But, you know, if Joe comes in, hits a couple shots, and, and gets after it on the defensive end a little bit, then you're probably happy with his minutes. You yeah, might not I, need him to do anything else offensively. And I guess that's why I bring up the, the crunch time lineup is that, I th- you know, I think we know who's going to start. Um, and I think Jalen Carey's going to play a lot of minutes. I don't know if he's the crunch time point guard. I, I don't know. Um, he may very well be. But he's, you know, he's got to show the coaches that he can take care of the basketball, make good decisions. Because we know that he can get to the basket, and we know he he brings a certain energy to the table. Um, but he's he's got to be able to take care of the basketball. And the five turnovers against Damon, you know, that's too many, and he knows that. And that was the big reason why he didn't play a, a ton last year down the stretch is that they didn't trust him not to turn the ball over. Um, so if he's going to be in the crunch time lineup, he's got to take care of the basketball. He's got to make good decisions. And, and I'm with you. I think that. You know, certainly Buddy and Quincy and Elijah, I think those guys are going to be out there. I think Dolajai does too many good things not to have him out there. Um, but it, it might come down to the opponent, you know, whether you want a little more size with Barama uh, in the center opposed to Dolajai. Um, but that, that fifth spot, I think, is up, up in the air to some degree. Ideally, you would love your starting point guard, you know, to be that guy. But if, you know, if Bryson Goodine shows that he takes care of the ball better, or he makes better decisions in crunch time, you know, maybe he's the guy. Or as, as you said, if Joe Girard's having a, a good shooting night and you want his offense on the floor, maybe, maybe, maybe he's out there. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see. And, and we'll see um, a quality opponent right off the bat in, in Virginia on Wednesday. And, and honestly, game number two against Colgate, and it, we're, I, I feel like everybody's sleeping on Colgate for to some degree and, and for good reason. I mean the reigning national champs are coming to town, but we keep we keep saying, man, look at how they open with Virginia. Colgate's the favorite in the Patriot League. That is not going to be an easy game. So we may very well see back to back games to open this season where there is crunch time. And oh, I think yeah. you, I think you hope that there's crunch time against Virginia because that means it's a close game. Yeah, you I, I think that you're looking at two good tests for this team right off the bat. No doubt about that. 315-437-7644. Got to take a timeout. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.